0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Flyers Talk Podcast. You're listening to Katie Emmer and Jordan Hall. We bring you analysis today. And, Jordan, we're going to analyze this series so far. More specifically, game five, the Flyers fell 5-3 to the Canadians. The Canadians now uh, trail three games to two in the series, Jordan. I mean, going into this one, uh, Flyers are up three games to one. This isn't easy. It's not going to be an easy, you know, give. And and I know that's pretty obvious for people who are very familiar with playoff hockey. But uh, we knew it was going to be a battle. And Montreal gave it their all, the battle for their uh, season. They were on the brink of elimination and they showed it last night.
1: They did. Credit to Montreal. Uh, I thought they could have folded, Katie, especially when the Flyers went up two-one. After that, obviously, crazy hit by Katiemi, and you know it uh, ejects him from the game and puts the Flyers on a five-minute power play. They score two goals. They steal the lead in the second period, and obviously the Canadians lose what was you know going into that game. Who was their leading goal scorer for the playoffs? So. I just thought that was a crazy swing. And that's when, to me, I was like, the Flyers are going to win this game and they're going to win this series. Um, you could even see some dejection on the faces of the Canadians, even after the Flyers took the lead and they lost Katayemi. They're, like, it looked like they knew almost were in trouble, uh, but they don't fold and they come right back and get two more goals. They go back up and it almost looked like it made them angry and it made them almost even more in survival mode. And uh, and yeah, now it's, it's a series, and I think the Canadians are pretty angry, and I think the Flyers are angry, too. Um, I thought that was the most dramatic physical game yet in this series. It obviously was the most high-scoring. Uh, so the series seems like it's only heating up, and we still have yeah. game six and maybe a game seven, Katie. What did you think of all the drama and all yeah. the theatrics? <laughs>
0: Well, no, I mean, you said it there, that drama. And it truly built up in that second period. What a series of events that started in that second period. And let's go back to you, Sperry Um, given, like you said, that five-minute major and a game for uh, his boarding on Travis Sandheim. Like, I remember seeing this, and, and, you know, Sandheim, I believe his eyebrow cut open, not fun, not fun to see those kind of hits. But at the same time, Jordan, I was quite surprised. I was sitting there like – wait, what is going on right now? And I see him leave the ice. Um, And then after my reaction is it's over. That's your number one. I mean, one of your, if not your number one guy uh, for the Canadians. And they're thinking, you know what, that could have been a a season ending play right there. It, It all comes down to that. It's such a game of those little moments too, with hockey. It's like one thing. And that's in any sport, like something like that could completely change the the you know rest of the game and from that moment on we, we again you, you mentioned uh, the flyers struggling power play they got some chances and by chances it was Jake Vorachek to net 2 which was good to see the power play get going and, and let's certainly get into that later on because um, that would be you know if not the one positive thing from yesterday's uh you know game five but I was quite surprised seeing that and that whole just like series of events like I mentioned in that second period it was crazy Jordan but the biggest thing is that the Flyers just really weren't able to hold a lead, and especially in that third period with Nick Suzuki uh, coming right back 22 seconds after Joel Farabee's power play goal, it's like Flyers fans couldn't even take a deep breath and relax. It, it, on the the whole game, it was it was a fight put up by the Canadians, and I will say, you know, hats off to them. Uh, truly, after that um, uh, Kanyemi uh, game misconduct, it was it was. I was thinking a game over. I was thinking the Flyers are going to come back, especially after those two goals, like I said, and they found a way. And you know what, too, though? The effort was there, I felt, from both teams. You mentioned the drama. Like, there was no lack of effort, no lack of energy from what I – I mean, that's at least in my opinion. I feel like for the Flyers, pretty well-played game. They were holding on for the whole game. Um, yeah, you could argue there was some mishaps, but there's going to be every single game. You got to be happy with what you saw from Jake Borachek. Just bringing it. Uh, Bringing that energy. if I think he would be the biggest reason for why they were held in that game last night. But yeah, I, I think the effort was there. The energy was there. But Jordan, you gotta love some drama. I know the, the Flyers fans So not want me to say, and you want to see them end the series, yes. In that first round, get it over with. But come on, you gotta love playoff hockey. Yeah,
1: like you see the, the um, tussles at the end of the game and it, oh, it yeah. only just set the stage for game six. Uh, obviously, both teams... Do not like each other right now, uh, and the series have been pretty defensive through the first four games. Katie, obviously, low-scoring games, not a lot of goals, and for maybe the average hockey fan who is looking for more action, uh, if you if you wanted it, you I think you got it in game five. And if anything, now you're really tuned in and ready to go for game six because that was fun. It was dramatic, um, and it, and it, it, it has truly set the stage for game six and. Katie, I think I totally agree with what you said. I thought both teams had great effort. Um, The Flyers obviously could have been better after they scored their goals. Obviously, they go up 2-1, and then they had some breakdowns uh, when they really could have kind of seized that lead and then build upon it. They didn't. And then obviously when they uh, tied the game in the third period, made it 3-3, and the Canadians come back, and I believe they scored I think 22 seconds later with the Nick Suzuki goal. Um, they had yeah. some breakdowns there. So they had some lapses after they scored. But I also think the Canadians just made some great plays. They, and that's what the Flyers said after the game. They're like, this team, their season was on the line. Like, their season was on the line. You expect them to be coming and pushing that hard um, when they're down and they know, like, this is it. So th- yeah. I thought that that was one of the – I thought that was the best game the Canadians had really played this playoffs. Other than, obviously, game two when they won 5 nothing. Uh but in terms of just, like, offensive energy and urgency, I thought they made some really top-end plays to to totally rip back the game from the Flyers. Um, I don't think the Flyers were bad. I just thought the Canadians were that good.
0: Yeah, what about the defensive side of things, too? We hear from Matt Niskin and him saying, like, that same thing you just mentioned. They're, they're playing do-or-die hockey. They, they want to keep their season rolling. And he was saying defensively they were just a half of a step slow on killing plays. Like, they didn't – We've seen that defensively sound uh, production and system so far in this series. I feel like specifically the last two games before game five, Um, you know, and and just it's a game of inches sometimes. and, And you let Montreal really take hold of anything. And even that Suzuki goal there in the third period, Jordan, as you mentioned, like you need to be a bit sharper than that. Um, Robert Haig, too, if fans can recall, was slamming his stick on the goalpost. Like, there's frustrations, um, but of course, you're, you're not happy to see that kind of goal happen. But I mean, speaking of Nick Suzuki, too, uh, let's go back to that second period where that goal was called off, uh, offside call for Nick Suzuki um, for his goal. So it did not count. But do you remember kind of when we talk about a series of events, you remember when Carter Hart, it looked like he was going to be, you know, switched off with Brian Elliott after that goal. And it was called no goal. The goal is disallowed. And we hear from Elaine Vino after the game that he's like, you know what? I looked in his eyes and I knew he was okay. Yeah. I mean, what an odd situation. But also at the same time, it is so interesting. Just he knows his players. They, they have that um, that. I could say connection. I don't know if that sounds weird, but as like a, you know, a connection right there, you know your player, he, he knows him, he confides in his coach, um, and he just knows Carter Hart's style. He, he's seen his play thus far to know that if he can handle it. But yeah, that, that whole quote, Jordan, what did you take from that? I looked in his eyes and I knew he was okay. That
1: was cool, Katie. And I, I, I think you're perfectly right. It was a, kind of a weird moment in the game because obviously there was a coach's challenge by Elaine Vigneault to hopefully overturn that goal uh, for offside, and it kind of gave them a chance just to take a breath, regroup, and look each other in the eye and say, like, "Hey, are, are you good?" And Carter, of course, said, "Yeah, I'm ready to go." And he's like, "Hey, let's go." <laughs> and they both kind of just together, um, yeah. by by talking to each other and taking a second just to take a breath, uh, courtesy of that challenge in the review, to kind of regroup and get back out there and. They both believe in one another. Uh, they, the Flyers clearly believe in Carter Hart. Um, and that challenge was timely because, one, it did overturn a huge goal. That would have made it 4-2 Canadians, and now you're in a two-goal uh, deficit, and you're trying to come back and beat Carey Price. Instead, it overturns it. You're only down 3-2. And then what does it do? It allows Carter Hart to kind of regroup, kind of get himself back in the game. And, Katie, I wanted to ask you about this. Speaking of Carter Hart, We've, we saw the Canadians kind of do some things with him to kind of play with his head a little bit physically and also uh, mentally by tapping him on the head. Uh, after Brendan Gallagher's goal to, put, to tie the game 2-2, Nick Suzuki I, tapped, yep. him, tapped him on the head, tapped mm. Carter Hart on the head. And then I spotted it again uh, on that overturned goal when Suzuki scored again, but it was offside because Jonathan Drone was, off, was offside. Uh Druin tapped him on the head as well. Um, so they did it twice. What did you think of that? I know it's hockey um, and it's playoffs, but did you like that, or uh, what did you think of it?
0: Can you imagine if they did that to, like, I don't know. I'm trying to like a Ron Hextall or, or just like any goal. Like, can you imagine it's Carter Hart? He's young. Um, but I'm even thinking of like how different that would be if it was a different, uh, gold goaltender of a different pedigree. Even if we go to the carry price end of things, we've seen how physical he can get. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, what did Bill Clement say? Just as far as the shoulders up, Carter Hart is the best in the NHL. He kind of he mentioned it on on those terms. He is the most uh, mentally tough, mentally strong goaltender that I've personally gotten to to see develop. I know it's one season, it's one year, but I think Flyers fans could agree with that. We've seen his uh, his mentality game in and game out. And I wanted to get into this too when we look ahead as far as after this loss, how they get back on it. But yeah, specifically in last night's game, those little things are so expected in hockey. I kind of love it too. It's just like in this scenario, like no matter what, if fans were there and it's a normal playoff format, like we would still see that stuff on camera, even like, you know, the snow or anything in the face, like anything that they're trying to do to sort of get in his head and, uh, you know, just play with his head essentially, but I think in this scenario, just as far as like hearing more from the refs mic'd up, hearing more from the players mic'd up, we're seeing more of those ISOs on Carter Hart and like different scenarios. It makes it more fun because you love the game, but I don't know. This stuff I find fun. I'm kind of weird, but I, I I think I find it fun, Jordan, because I have no worries about Carter Hart. I don't think, yeah, I mean, you could argue that stuff like that got in his head last night, but no. I, if you're asking me it, it was a it was a game that you know even Elaine Vino said maybe uh, Hart would want a couple back after he had 28 saves on 32 shots uh, a good all-around effort and you know what he had two shutouts back to back this wasn't anything that was the Canadians doing for for those little head taps or anything else that they were doing who knows we have we, we have an idea but maybe there's even extra stuff they were doing last night before that game in the tunnel I don't know but I think this is just the fun of the playoffs, the fun of hockey, and uh, some guys really do get affected by this stuff. But you can't, and I, I wouldn't think Carter Hart is one to get affected by that. I don't know about you, but I will say that. But yeah, I just can't help but smile.
1: Your NBC Sports Philadelphia podcasts are now on the My Teams app. Listen to Eagle Eye Sixers Talk. Phillies talk and Flyers talk now. It was really funny, and I want to correct myself. The Brandon Gallagher goal made it uh, 3-2 Montreal. So it was on that goal when my Montreal – It's fine, Jordan. There was five goals. It's like, which one happened when? (laughs) Uh, So Gallagher put them up 3-2, and that's when Nick Suzuki patted him on the head, and then we saw it happen again with Jonathan Drouin, but the the goal was offside. But, Katie, I'll I'll be honest. I did not like it. Um, I don't think it will affect Carter Hart. I think – Come next game, he's going to be in it and be ready to go. I don't think they're inside his head by any means, but um, I just thought it was pretty disrespectful, and I thought it was really them taking advantage of who they know Carter Hart is. Imagine if they did that to uh, to Carey Price or when this. Yeah, that's what I'm
0: saying. Like that kind of stuff.
1: Like Nick Nick Suzuki is 21 years old. Like I I think he's a great player, and obviously I'm sure he's a fine person. Um, I don't question him or anything like that, but. I don't think he would have the guts to do that to a Carey Price or a Tuca Rask or um, a Henrik Lundqvist. Like I don't think he would. Or have a the Mark
0: Andre Fleury. Like yeah. I know exactly what you're getting at. It's it yeah. Is, it's. I don't think it's he have the guy. audacity
1: to do that to those guys. But here's Carter Hart, this 22-year-old kid who's innocent and probably wouldn't hurt a fly off the ice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> And they, they know they can do it and they can get away with it. I, I just didn't like it. Um, I didn't like it for that reason because I feel like if it was a different situation, I'm not sure they're doing that. But Suzuki cleared it up after the game. He said – he was asked about it and he said, hey, listen, I wasn't trying to be unsportsmanlike. It was just kind of a reaction in the heat of a game. Um, I just did it. He's like, I saw the replay of it and I thought maybe I shouldn't have done that. But they, don't, they did yeah, it Yeah, you like, shouldn't
0: have, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> be better. So and you I know, know what? And the play in front of them, too. Carter, as you mentioned, he wouldn't he wouldn't hurt a fly. And, no. you, know, we know, you know, we know how mentally strong he is, like I alluded to. But the play in front of them, too. Those guys, uh, we know they can stick up. Um, luckily, I'll say this. We want Nick obey in the lineup, but luckily he wasn't. He would be one of those players to really step up, I would find. But we know it's going to be a physical series no matter what. But you're looking for your guys in front of you, certainly, to, to catch on to that
1: and chuck some knocks, Chuck some knocks. Well, <laughs> we saw we saw when Derek Grant uh, got pushed into Carey Price that Carey Price yeah. was winging on him just for bumping into him. Imagine someone purposely uh, mocking you, kind of after you allow a goal, after you're frustrating, you allow a goal. They tap you on the head, like, "Hey, like we got you." Like, uh, I will yeah. say, I
0: will say, it wasn't a bump, Jordan. Derek Grant m- most certainly like fell on Carey Price, but. He, was he, didn't intention- yes, yeah, yeah, like he didn't intentionally – yes, it wasn't, like, an intentional, intentional thing. Right. But, yeah, I mean, I love this, Jordan, because it's, like, you could argue. I could see your side of it, disrespect and, and all that. They're taking a minute. But, yeah, like I said earlier, like, imagine them doing it to an older goaltender, yeah. and you alluded to that, too. But at the end of the day, it's just a pat on the head.
1: You can yeah, get it. no, and it, I really don't think it's going to do anything too much in this series. But I will say this. I bet the Flyers see it, and they saw it. Um, you, you can. You'll, they'll be able to see it in a simple – film session as they look at this game, uh, they'll see that play. And, you, like, you saw it's the playoffs. Everyone sees everything. Elaine Vigneault obviously saw when Kirk Muller had his first power play unit out there in game yeah. two when it was 5 nothing. They're down 5 nothing. yeah. They noticed that, and he reminded his team of that. Um, I will guarantee you the team saw that. They're going to see it in film. And I think it's going to be in the back of their heads a little bit. And it's going to have them a little bit motivated. I, I don't think you want to motivate Carter Hart or the Flyers, but – I think they kind was, of some of that. And I was,
0: I'm almost thinking too, it'd be nice to like, almost ask Bernie Perron, like yeah. what he would do, like, or even like I mentioned Ron so like any goaltender, like how you feel in that situation, like, do they care? I mean, it's, I, I would assume they do and it depends on who it is, but I wonder how many times that has happened, you know, as far as what stage of your career, but even like a Bernie Perron, like how yeah. you get that, get through that. It'd be interesting. We'll have to have him on at some me,
1: point it, w- it would kind of be yeah right we have to ask him about that to me it would kind of be like a like a um a hitter in baseball crushing a home run and then maybe like pointing at the pitcher or going over and like patting him on the back or something uh i don't think that would probably be too popular among uh most pitchers just but. doing
0: a dramatic bat flip and pounding on your chest and pointing
1: right, at the like pitcher that. as you go yeah. to first yeah Woo! yeah baby so yeah no um You know, the series is certainly, uh, it's got some fuel to it now. And uh, watching the end of game five and how obviously there was some serious theatrics on the ice, I think everyone is going to be geared up for game six. I think it should be really fun. This is what you want as fans. Um, Obviously, Flyers fans would have loved to have closed it out. But like you said, Katie, Montreal will not be easy. And I think we saw that in this game five.
0: Yeah. And uh, getting into just because we were talking about offensively, you know, the opportunities they're creating. It was good to see. I mean, we we saw the Flyers even come into game five, scoring five goals total in the series. And they were up three games to one. I mean, that's crazy. Uh, the defense had been sticking out so much, but I mean, offensively, it was a bit of a concern. And uh, Chris Terrian said that on pregame, like I'm not concerned if you keep winning. I agree to that to a certain extent. It's just kind of like, yeah, but you need to, you need to be, uh, you know, scoring goals, especially when you have guys like Drew, Travis, Konechny, Kevin Hayes, uh, even shot in your lineup. And so the the depth too, that is really stood out. So, um, you know, going off of that, I just mentioned a couple of the names there. What do we think about this Joel Farabee, Kevin Hayes and Travis Konechny line? Um, Last night it was different. It was on the power play. We see Joel Farabee going, but, and again, the power play is something we need to get to soon here. But yeah, with that line, um, I just feel like Hayes' game is slowly trending upwards. Like he's so close to, to really breaking out even like a goal himself, but like the electricity of that line that, you know, Lawton used to be there, but now we see Farabee there. It's a different dynamic, but um, I think it's just a matter of time till we see them get going, and even Travis Konechny, too, certainly on the other side. But what do you think about that line? What do you, you know, what did you like them doing last night? Even you know, as far as creating opportunities or just getting so close.
1: Yeah, I like it. I thought um, the line that you mentioned, Katie, the Lawton konechny haze. that, at, there was at points where we thought they would never be broken up with how they were playing, but obviously. You know they're trying to create more balance and depth throughout their forward lines. They were obviously trying to get uh, some other guys going, so sometimes you have to switch it up. But I like that group. Uh, two young, two young guys, in Konechny and Farabee. Farabee always really complements talented players. He's always in the right spots. I think whole playoff of Kevin Hayes really well because Kevin Hayes is a guy that can feed the puck to others. He's always got his head up. He's always patient with it, and also trying to create plays with his patients and then that allows Faraby to obviously pick his spots and go to the net. So uh, yeah, I think it's a good group. I like that. Um, and I thought, yeah, offensively, they did some good things in game five. Obviously the power play got gone. That was one for 28 before the game. They get three goals. Um, it was more defensively and breakdowns and just not being able to hold the Canadians off when they really needed to. But um, I like that line. And I think they'll go, I, I don't, they, they'll probably change things up a little bit. I'm not sure what Elaine Vigneault will do. He's not going to tell us either. Yeah, uh, he said it
0: last night, though, too. And that's something to expect. He's like, you can expect a couple adjustments going into game six. and Right. Um, you allow yeah, five it's goals. It's always an expect. Yeah,
1: there's going to be some adjustments for sure. Um, but what he does, I, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't think the lines uh, are terrible by any means. Um, but, yeah, they'll have to make some adjustments. What did you th- – What did you think of the four lines, Katie? And what did you think of the defensemen too?
0: Yeah, I mean, defensemen, uh, you know what? I I still really like that Travis Stenheim, Phil Myers pair. I think I'm going to stick with it. I want to see maybe a little bit more from Provorov and Niskanen, but I can't be too upset with what they're doing out there. Niskanen, just that veteran presence that we know so well. You got to love what he has to say too after, you know, the games. He always has such great, genuine responses. Like we need to be better. This isn't good enough. Like, it's just such a, a from-the-heart response. But, yes, on the ice, uh, like maybe expect a little bit more from them. But, um, too, and even with the, the defensive uh, group, too, Robert Hegg, Uh I like him in the lineup. I like to see him out there. He brings a lot of emotion. He certainly has that fighting for your roster spot kind of vibe to him. And he always has. He, he's a guy that, you know – He definitely puts it all out on the line. And we've already alluded to the block shot stuff uh, earlier this week. It's crazy. These guys are throwing themselves in front of it. Actually, I don't even know how much we've said since uh, Monday, but just like going back to it, just throwing themselves in front of these Shea Weber up to 108 mile per hour shots. That's not anything easy to be doing. And we're seeing, you know, guys like Robert Haig do that. And even Matt Niskanen too, uh, for that matter. But a lot of the, you know, defensive Um, systems I like to see, but the blue liners group has been solid in my eyes. Um, But yeah, forward wise, you know, like you mentioned this, the power play, good. Um, I want to see a little bit more from, you know, your top guys, but I feel like we always do. And you know what, like, there's not one single guy you could call out. Uh, And I think Elaine Vino alluded to that throughout this series that when you want production, it's it's not just one guy, it's so many. So I'm not going to put a name out there of one guy that really needs to step up because this is a situation that everybody needs to get going. Um, so Jordan, I'm pretty happy with what I see, but a, a big question mark in the back of my mind is James Van Riemsdyk. What's going to happen with this player? Are we going to see him back out here in game six? Are it, you know, or is he going to keep the same uh, guys out, but he's going to shuffle up the lines? Like I, I just have a lot of questions. Um, but I don't know. I mean, no matter what you hope to see them produce, but maybe even on five on five, like if we could just get some goals on five on five play too, you can't be mad with the three power play goals. I'm not saying that, but I think five on five needs to be drastically better and, um, I don't know. I'd like to see James Van Riemsdyk in the lineup. Maybe this is good. Um, we've seen him be a healthy scratch. We've seen him pulled out before. Um, maybe this will be good for him to get reinserted into the lineup. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help.
1: Even Alain Villo, great guy and was really honest all season and a joy to be around, of course, and still is, obviously. But uh, he, I think the just the other day, just – with James Van Riemsdyk, I don't know if he's not healthy or if it's just a healthy scratch. Uh, these last two games, but Elaine Vigneault wouldn't even disclose that. And technically, <laughs> he is able to say he's unfit to play or no, it was my decision. He, I do believe he's able to say that, but he's not even going to go there. <laughs> he's, you know, he's. He'll say the NHL mandates me to not say anything on player availability, so I'm all so. We truly, I'm glad you brought up JVR because we truly do not know what's behind his absence. Uh, It could be performance related. Um, It also could be that he maybe is dealing with an injury or he's unfit to play, quote unquote. Um, Not exactly sure. It's leaning more towards it, or at least it feels like it might be performance related given he's played the second fewest minutes of any flyer in the playoffs. Uh, He was kind of um, relegated to that like that fourth or third line and wasn't playing a ton on the power play. Just seemed like he was a bit in the doghouse of Elaine Vigneault a little bit. Um, but Nicholas Albeau also misses games five, games four and five. Um, he might be banged up because he blocked a few shots. So, but of course we don't know. We don't know exactly why. But I think that's a pretty big storyline that James Van Riems, like, has sat the last two games. He sat one of the ra- one of the round robin games. Um, so that's three games in these playoffs that he's missed. And if that's performance related, I think it's pretty damning that, you know, a guy that's making the money that he is, um, and that he's a two time 30 goal scorer. The fact that he's been made a healthy scratch is pretty alarming. Um, I would like to see him. I think he's impactful. I think he can help. I think when he's put in more of a situation where you can kind of show his strengths, um, he changes games. They were 22 and five. 22-5-0 when he scored at least one point during the regular season. So when they got him going, uh, he was difference-making production. Um, So I would like to see him in the series. I think his size can help. Uh, I think they just need to put him in a a better spot. But deep down, we don't know if it's something health-related or if it's uh, performance-related. But I would like to see him in there. And sometimes after these games, Katie, sometimes a new face or um, some new new blood can kind of – do good things sometimes you eject some life into the series with the with a fresh body and a fresh face and james van Reem's like if healthy uh would be that would would you agree
0: oh that's a great point jordan and like yeah we know here's the thing the flyers the way they respond after a loss they haven't had what back-to-back losses since early january i'm not concerned about this though it is the playoffs it's a different animal they know how to, you know, be resilient and get back out there. And it starts too with Carter Hart, but it also starts with your Sean Couturier, your guy that really steps up specifically after losses. But yeah, when you reinsert a fresh face into the lineup and maybe, you know, have that different sort of, I I like what you say, fresh blood, new blood, that that change up, of course, that could be a great thing. I I don't see any issue with that. But uh, at the same time, it's like you expect Elaine Vigneault to make these changes. He mentions it too after the game, uh, game five. And you expect changes, but I don't know how many changes exactly to have James Van Riemsdyk back in the lineup. It's like I'm expecting lineup changes um, with the forwards that are currently we saw play last night. But, yeah, I mean, it's a great point. Nicholas Obeikubo, we have no idea about his health. He could be back. And then James Van Riemsdyk, uh, if it's not injury-related, and you know, we're more so leaning towards his performance uh, – it's a performance-related thing, anything could really happen. So uh, we always have to, like, have that as a disclaimer so we can be safe because we don't really know until literally right. seconds before puck drop. But, yeah, I think – Jordan, I, I love that point. You know, put some new blood in your lineup, and it could be a great, you yeah. know, a great thing.
1: Yeah, you think these two teams just had a back-to-back, um, and they were kind of beating each other up in this, in this game five. Uh, a lot of physicality. Um, probably a lot of bumps and bruises and if James Van Reems like is okay to play he would certainly be fresh and ready to go um and probably would have a lot of jump and a lot of motivation too obviously he just missed the last two games and kind of yeah. he's kind of improvement mode right now to his coach so I think that could do some good things but Katie overall I want to ask you because for me I am not super alarmed by this game um I think the Flyers weren't either after the game um I think they were kind of like hey that's Maybe what we expected. We expected um, a team that was really going to be playing for its life because it was, and they had energy. They were kind of ticked off. Um, obviously, that one play with uh, Kakeyemi. I can't even say his last name, Katie.
0: Kakeyemi. Um
1: yeah. 20-year-old kid, big hit, kind of questionable. So much talent. So much talent. He was leading them in the playoffs and goals before going into that game, and they lose him for the game, and – The Canadians kind of rallied together. They um, kind of rallied together and changed the game. Um, So for me, I think the Flyers got a a physical team um, really playing for its life. And I I don't think they have to do too much to change. I I think they can be better on the four check and be faster. I thought they only blocked nine shots. And if you remember in game three, they blocked 24. And I think a lot of that that was a drastic change. Yeah, I think Montreal was just – they were able to do more that they wanted. They were able to get closer to the net. They had better angles. Um, And I think that means the Flyers were probably a little easier to play against. They they were a little more leaky in their coverage. I think they can kind of pick up their forecheck and be a little bit better there. But other than that, I don't think they had to do anything drastic. Would you agree?
0: Yeah. Uh, you know what, too? and There there were different positives from the game um, that I want to get into, but y- you can't really be too upset. Well, you can because you wanted the series over. You want the first round to conclude and be done. The Flyers did, too, but this wasn't going to be an easy battle. You have to expect an output like that from the Canadians, and hats off to them. Uh, we'll see about game six. There will be a game six for the Flyers to certainly try again Um, But yeah, you know, one thing that I took from as a positive from Game 5 was that Power Play Jordan. And before we get into the Power Play talk, Monday, August 24th marks one year out from the Tokyo Paralympics. The world will come back together to celebrate competition, unity, and the triumph of the human spirit as the best athletes on earth pursue a dream delayed. But yeah, going into game five, um, the Flyers were one for 28 on the man advantage. It's definitely not a great uh, great number to be looking at, a couple numbers there. Operating below 4%, that is something that is not, you know, acceptable, I would say, in the playoffs, even moving forward. Hey, it's worked now. They're, they're getting the wins, but that's not something you build your confidence off of uh, with a power play operating that low, I believe, the lowest in the playoffs. Um But yeah, we see them uh, three for seven last night. Jordan, Jake Voracek netting two of those, but Jake Voracek also getting an apple on Joel Farabee's power play goal. It was good. And I think like at the same time, I don't want to jinx anything, but it was just a matter of getting a couple going there, like getting that power play to click and having that confidence boost on your main advantage for one night. And I think this could be a recipe for something great, um, not only throughout this series, but, you know, and again, knocking on wood, but even in the next couple of rounds, again, they have to get past the Canadians here in game six. Um, But I think it was something, you know, positive is that that was on display. Jordan, how could you argue it's not, you know, especially when you look at that one for 28 number going into uh, the night.
1: Yeah. If you're looking for a silver lining, it's at the power play score three goals they were all timely goals, obviously, with pressure on the power play already. But in those spots, the Flyers really needed goals. They, the Jacob Voracek had two goals was when the, the team was down one nothing and trying to get going offensively after that big play. Um, and then, obviously, the Joel Faraby one was huge when the team was down 3-2 in the third period, and they're trying to tie the game, and, what it, and they do. Um, so, yeah, if there's a positive uh, for the Flyers to take into uh, game six, It's that the power play got going, and maybe that won't be in the back of their minds as much anymore. Now they can kind of think to themselves, hey, we got three goals there. The number's not as ugly. (laughs) Um, (laughs) One for 28, 3.6%, Katie, as you said, kind of grabbed your eye. And it's going to be something that people are going to talk about. Now people won't talk about it as much. They'll be talking about other things going into game six. Uh, So that, I think, of course, was a silver lining. Um, But I think it all will be about regrouping. And um, just understanding the situation. Uh, the good thing is the Flyers gave themselves three cracks at this. Three cracks to get one win. Um, they just lost the first crack, but they still have two more cracks to get it. Um, and We're hoping
0: I, it's one. Yes. On. And
1: Katie, we wouldn't mind if it was game six. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if the Flyers want to go to a game seven, I think what did LeBron James say the one time, uh, the, the two best words in sports are game seven. So, uh, oh, yeah. So, yeah, we wouldn't mind that either. Uh, but – Katie, one last question for you. Um, I think someone asked me, like, is Carter Hart back in net for Game 6? I was like, no-brainer, yes. Carter Hart will be playing Game 6. There's not a chance uh, in the world that he's not playing Game 6. What do you think?
0: Well, yeah, and this was a rumor maybe before Game 5 was that, are we going to see Brian Elliott in there on this back-to-back? And I asked – I asked Chris Terry in that in pregame. I'm like, what? What do you think the coaches coaching staff is thinking right now? He's simply just they're putting hard in. Like this is next next question. Like they're putting hard in next. What do you got this next?
1: Is, it was. Is, yeah, for people wondering, like this is the playoffs. They're going to ride Carter Hart. Like yeah, um, they're they're going to be they're going to look out for his health. Do not get me wrong. Like they will make sure he's healthy and fit and good to play. Uh, but he is the guy. He is the guy. Yeah. He was going to play that back to back. They had a chance to clinch a series after the guy had just pitched two shutouts. He was going to play Game Five. There was zero doubt about it, and he's going to be back out there for Game Six. Alain Vigneault even said after the, after Game Five, he said, "Yeah, he'll be fine next game. Don't worry." Um, so oh yeah,
0: and we we have no doubt about that, and that's a great point, no. Jordan, because I don't I don't think any playoff team you're not riding two goaltenders. Yes, is it a fortunate thing to have this situation for Flyers fans that have had the past of just nightmares that you guys are still probably suffering from with the goaltending. Um this yes, this is a great situation to be in. But Brian Elliott is there if he is needed in the last, the last possible, I wouldn't say resort, but like he is there if you need him. But it is so important for a playoff team to ride one guy. Even if it's a back to back, even if it's a loss like five three yesterday, they put up five goals. We saw him in net after that five-nothing loss. Let's not forget that. Yeah, Um, in game three. And, you know, look what he did. So I think that should be an example for Flyers fans out there that might be wondering, he's going to be back in that you're going to put him back out there. He's your number one guy. And also he needs to build his confidence with this. And okay, you could argue, why would he want to build his confidence in a series like this when you're trying to wrap it up? At this point, it's you're confident in him, but you also want him to be confident in himself. We know he has that. Uh, We know he can can do it. He's capable of it. I mean, heck, what? two back to or a back to back shutouts i am trying to go back to this stat the the second youngest flyer or the second youngest nhl goaltender to do right. it um, gosh it, it's crazy with all the different numbers and stats and, and milestones this guy's already hit but again you want him to to continue on in on this pursuit but yes he will be in net i have you know what i have no doubt and okay, Jordan, i mean i don't know he- if if i'm wrong just don't rip me too much on Monday's episode, but I, I think I'm right.
1: And we'll just stop making predictions, period. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why do we do this to ourselves? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, And also, Katie, maybe that was part of Elaine Vigneault's strategy and thinking there when they kept him in the game. Uh, maybe this is like, hey, this could be good for his confidence going into game six if we need it. Uh, that, hey, we kept you out there and maybe let him kind of get right in the game instead of having Carter Hart be yanked. And then all of a sudden, he they, the Flyers go to a game six, and then Carter Hart's going back out there after, you know, being pulled from a game. Now he goes back out there. He kind of finds his way a bit. A bit. Um, he wasn't awful the rest of the way. The, the goals given up, um, obviously one was an empty netter, and the other one was a great, great play by the Canadians on a breakdown by the Flyers uh, that won the game. So Carter Hart, I think, got back out there, kind of got back up on the horse, and I thought that was pretty important storyline. Uh, in the game, and I think the Flyers will take that in game six. Thank you so much, Katie Emmer, as always. And, yes, Ben Barry, our podcast producer, thank you as well. Uh, Flyers fans, this is your latest Flyers Talk podcast. Wherever you get your podcasts, please rate and subscribe. Enjoy the hockey, and we cannot wait to talk to you next time.
0: Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader.